You are listening to More Than a Season podcast with Ashley and Brittany. Join us as we walk through what life is like supporting someone within the sports industry. Real, authentic, behind-the-scenes look at what the support system experiences but no one discusses. Grab a drink, sit back and listen because we are about to get real. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Stop listening. Press pause. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the ratings and reviews. Select five stars and give us a review. And if you're on Spotify, click our podcast page and click follow and download to listen to all of our episodes. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Hello, hello. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We are so excited. And actually, Brittany and I were just talking. We are totally fangirling right yeah, now. Yeah, we're over kind this. of geeking out a little bit. Just yeah. a little. <laughs> yeah, so we are so excited. We have a very special guest. This is something totally different that we have never done before, but I'm not going to ruin the surprise. So I'm going to kick it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Hello, everyone. My name is Christine Gummersall. I am the creator of HoneyBeltHome.com, which is a DIY home design platform that helps empower women to stop waiting and to start creating, picking up the power tools and transforming their house one project at a time. I am based here in the Salt Lake Valley. I'm married to my husband, Lance, who has been a high school basketball coach for the last 15 years. And we have three young kids ranging in ages from seven all the way down to, to three. Wow. So, okay. We're going to unpack this because y'all should see the background of yeah. her room right now. It is the most perfect decorated. <laughs> I was just thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, if only they could see her background. I know. Well, okay. Let's unpack this a little bit. So uh, before we dive into the DIY, I want to go back and talk about meeting your husband and starting that whole journey. So where did y'all meet? And did you know what you were getting yourself into with this basketball world? <laughs> Definitely not. So my husband and I actually met on a blind date back when we were in college. His stepbrother, who he had just met, was dating one of my college roommates. And my husband at the time was going to a university really close to mine and was like, hey, I hear that you're dating a girl who, you know, goes to school close by. Does she have any hot roommates? And so I was the hot roommate that got set up on the blind date. And we we really kicked it off pretty quickly. And it was in October that we started dating, which is significant for basketball season because it was just two or three weeks prior to tryouts. And so like we kind of like were immersed in this relationship and then all of a sudden he's like oh yeah and I'm a high school basketball coach I coach you know the sophomore level as an assistant and I was like okay like that's that's cool and I didn't really know what it fully entailed until I went to I started going to a couple of his games and then I was hooked just the atmosphere Utah is a really big basketball state because we have the Utah Jazz of course but in general at the you know young levels even all the way down to second and third grade like getting your kids into competitive sports is a very big deal here and so once i was kind of able to see the culture around it as a state i i became totally hooked it's it's been so fun so i want to hear like the whole backstory of your basketball journey like sure. introducing kids to this world cuz it is a lot and like especially in high school like did he work we want to hear the whole thing we want to hear everything about your okay. your basketball life let's, <laughs> let's break it down so that the first couple of seasons uh, so I guess I should say my husband and I we dated for about five months engaged for four so it was just that very first season I got immersed with us just dating 
And in high school scene, you know, you start the sophomore game followed by JV, followed by varsity. So when I would travel, his school that he coached at was about a half an hour away from where we went to college. So I would travel up and the games would start at 3.30 and I would be there from 3.30 to 9.30 twice a week watching him coach and then watching the other teams play. You know, we'd go eat dinner in between and and then we got married and I was just kind of that tag along where like anytime he had a game or like an out of state tournament, I would just go with him. And at that point, I was 20 years old. He was 25 you know, the high school boys, they're, I'm almost closer in age to them than I am to my own husband. And so we became really good friends with the actual players, with their families. And it was a really fun thing to be a part of pre-kids. We were both still in school. So we kind of balanced the two. And then our first end of October. So he was a newborn. We were entering basketball season and he just got tagged along to all of the games. We would just bring him in his car seat and he would just hang out. You know, basically newborns in Utah in the winter, it's like, all you have to do is just have them wrapped up on you. Nobody touches them. You don't have to like worry about, you know, passing along the kid and germs and all that stuff. We ended up having our second kid 13 months later. So that was probably the most trying year at least for me as a mom and a wife to somebody who's a coach. I had my daughter on a Monday in the hospital and the next night he had a game. And so I'm still in the hospital recovering from the delivery and he went across the street to coach his basketball games, came back, hung out with us. We got discharged and and that's just kind of her life. So she was at her first basketball game, I think as like a 10 day old baby just strapped on me and I had a 13 month old like running around. And, and so like our life was really crazy in those first couple of years with him coaching. He was changing schools that he was coaching at, but it just was always the same process from you know the beginning of November through the end of February. I was a coach's wife. And so he would be gone until six or seven on practice nights, but then until like 10 or 11 on game nights. And that was six days a week. And it's still this way on Sundays we see him, but he's usually taking like three naps because he's so exhausted from the entire week of practices and planning and all the things. So that's kind of been our, our journey. And then of course we threw in the third kid. It's been a process of teaching my kids. I, I love bringing them to games. It's seriously so much fun to have them immersed and to see the, their dad coaching. And so it's always been important to me to have them at the games with us. But when they're toddlers, that's really hard. The amount of times I've had to like chase after my kid from not trying to like go talk to their dad or to get on the court or, or anything like that is, it's been a lot, but they're now older. They now know not to go on the court and not to talk to dad before or during the game. Wow, that's a lot. I want to back up and say that I think that your attitude and your just positivity, you know, you were like, okay, we're doing this. Like I'm, you know, I've got the kids, like this is what dad does and this is going to be a part of our routine. You kind of mentioned the first and second kiddo. You were like, whoa, hold on. Like (laughs) this is a lot (laughs) between the 13 months. I want to know how did you embrace just like, okay, the schedule is going to be kind of crazy and I will be by myself doing this a lot of the time. When I had both kids and they were both babies, it was a hard balance 
for me to deal with on my own, honestly. Like it felt like I was in survival mode every day. And I think you would be in that situation regardless with having two kids 13 months apart. It's just survival mode for that first year. But I distinctly remember every single day around five o'clock, I was trying to feed the 13 month old and trying to soothe the two month old and or whatever. And I'd be staring at the clock and I'm like, hey, it's five. He'll be home from practice in an hour. He'll be home in an hour to save me. And, it, and that's just what it was. And I guess I should back up and say, high school sports are different than college sports in a lot of ways and even professional sports. When, when you have somebody at the college or the professional level, there's so much travel involved with that where they're gone for days on end. I didn't have that in the high school level. I knew that he was going to come home every day day. But at the same time, that's not my husband's only job. He's not a high school teacher. At the time he owned his own business and then now he's a real estate agent. And so he had to balance his actual job that paid him in addition to coaching because coaching at the high school level is like a penny an hour. And so there was multiple times in those first couple of years where I had family members reach out to me and they were like, Hey, Lance is going to have to figure this out because he's coaching. That's not providing food on the table for you guys, but this is what brings us so much fulfillment. Never take that away from him. And so I knew when we were dating that this was always going to be part of our life. He was always going to figure out a way to still provide for his family, but that he needed this be in his life. And I needed him to have that outlet in his life. And so I made that decision early on that it didn't matter how late he was gone, how tired I was raising a family and doing all the things in those months, like that brings him so much joy and fulfillment that I would do anything to allow him to have. That's crazy that you guys have so much like love and support for each other though. And you know, kind of that thing that gives him that extra boost, because I think we can definitely relate. And I know all of our listeners can relate to that too. It's that even no matter if they weren't getting paid anything, if they're, if they're basically paying to do this, they would do it because it means so much to them. And I'm sure you have that for yourself too, because raising three kids, I mean, two, even under two is just, that's crazy to me, but raising three kids now, like you have to have that me time. And I know that DIY has become that, but what was it at the very beginning that you kind of had just for yourself? So I've been doing home projects basically since we got married, whether it was painting walls or refinishing furniture or, you know, knocking out bathrooms and retiling the whole thing. We did that because we were young college students. We didn't have big budgets to be able to afford to hire things out. And so I took it upon myself to learn how to do it. And while Lance is very great at coaching and he has a very hard work ethic. Like I said, he had his own pest control business, which incorporated a lot of lawn care and things like that. So anything outside, he's really, really good at power tools and like building things and all of that stuff inside. He has such a type A personality where he sees his flaws. And when he sees that he's not doing something perfectly, he's like, I don't want to do it. And so to him, like home projects are not his jam. And I respect that. And I get that, which is why I've kind of taken them on myself. And so that was kind of something that I dabbled in because it was a necessity. If I wanted something to look nice or to be different, I had to change it. Over the years, I not only went to college and got three degrees, two of them in nursing, one of them in fitness. I worked as a nurse doing labor and delivery and then became a mom. There is something about 
the process of when our kids became almost too busy that I couldn't just like show up in the gym and be in the gym with him supporting him for eight hours a day like I was I could only show up for his game support him then because my kids were just it was too chaotic but that left me at home a lot with little kids and I was like what else do I do there is this cyclic pattern when you're a mom of cooking, cleaning, changing, entertaining, and there's no end in sight. There's always going to be laundry to fold. There's always going to be dishes in the sink. There's always going to be some mess to clean up. And along the way, I was like losing a piece of myself. It was like, I had my job where I felt like a grown up, where I could talk with other grown ups. but then at home, it was just talking with kids. And then my husband had this great thing. He had basketball. That was like his outlet. He'd walk in the gym, be able to forget everything. I was like, I need something. And I think a lot of women and a lot of moms go through this where you find yourself losing part of who you are, what's important to you because you're so busy taking care of all of the things. And so it was about two years ago, the beginning of basketball season, I was like, I think I'm going to try this Instagram sharing projects thing out. And I remember it was a couple of days before Christmas. Lance was very much involved in all things basketball. And I was like, let's do it. Let's put up this herringbone chevron accent wall in my daughter's room. And I had my kids there. They were walking around pretending to like hammer things and just like, it was chaos. But the process of being able to start a project, start to finish and and see the progression was so fulfilling for me to be able to not just be in that cyclic dishes folding laundry, cleaning, taking care of the kids, but also like see something get done. And then other people kind of, I guess, become also engulfed in what I was doing. I was like, this is freaking cool. Like I have my thing now. And so instead of it just being like, I'm the support system for everyone else's thing, like I found my own thing. And that's kind of what DIY has transitioned to over the last two years is I have my projects and I still take care of everyone else around me. But I feel like I can do that so much better because I'm filling my own cup doing the thing that I love. Yeah, I think all of that is amazing. And I think that with these projects, if y'all have not followed her on Instagram, we'll of course include that, but it is just incredible. Like her, her projects are so inspiring, but within the sports industry that we're all in, we usually pick up and move and then, you know, our significant others go straight to work. And so with all these things, sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating. And I know that that is one of your speaking points is just to pick up some tools and get going. And I, I do. I do want to ask though from someone that is a listener that has is intimidated I mean even I'm a little intimidated sometimes Brittany here like loves DIY and does it what would you suggest if you just never have done anything like that before so the tip that I usually give most people who are beginners is to start with a project that is small so whether it's finding some thrift store dresser or building a shelf just some project that in theory, you could accomplish in a day, you might, you know, spread it out over a week or two. But if it's small enough for you to tackle, and maybe doesn't matter if you screw it up, right? Like you could totally throw away like a $10 dresser, then it's going to leave you with that DIY high, where you like become almost addicted to transforming things. And so I think a lot of times you get 
this idea of like, well, I want to like build these built-ins and like transform this whole room. And then you're like, but I don't know how to do any of that. And so you just become so overwhelmed with your imagination that you just don't do anything. I think starting with something small and building upon that is what's going to help you kind of roll into those bigger projects. Because even with me at this point, like I'll try and say, okay, I'm going to transform this whole space. And I'm like, oh wait, but I'm not quite there yet. And then I'm like, okay, but what is it? And you break it down element by element. So you know, an office built and it's like, okay, well, I need to build a cabinet. Okay. That's just a rectangular box. I can do that. Okay. I need to build a desktop. That's just putting some boards together and it's just building project upon project. They're all small, but in the end, it creates this really big, beautiful thing. No, that's good. Yeah. I love that because I get that way too. And I'm like, I've just started DIY and I'm like, I'm super invested in it, but it is overwhelming where I'm like, okay, I have this idea and this idea and this idea. And it's like, okay, wait, that's way too many things going on. I need to start with one thing and go from there. But I am just thinking about like one project I did and I couldn't imagine having kids running around. I mean, I just had like my dog and my boyfriend and I was like already overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, you need to go over there and like, you need to stop moving. So how do you do that with kids running around? And like, do you include them in the projects or how do you kind of keep that where you're having your own time, but you're also like entertaining them. Cause I know that that's what you have to do too. It's a pretty tricky balance at first because everything is just so exciting for them. Like they see you get out the tools and they see you, you know, cutting things and painting things. And they're like, Oh, I want to, I want to do that. My kids have gotten to the point for the most part where they see me do it every day, that it's almost like cooking in the kitchen or cleaning up where they're like, oh yeah, mom's doing that again. And so because it becomes so regular for them, they're not as in the way. I guess that makes sense, but there are elements. Like yesterday I was just putting up the thin brick down in our basement and we don't brick on a regular basis. And so for them, they're like, oh, like that's all you have to do is just like put the stuff on it and then stick it on the wall. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, I want to try. And so they got really into that because it was a new experience for them. But for the most part, when I'm just in my garage, you know, building something, I'll have my daughter, she'll open up a little box full of my different assorted screws and nuts and things. And she'll just like play with them, put them in different places. And then my other kids will usually like ride their scooters and just be like out and about just doing their regular kid things. Usually they'll find, you know, a broomstick or something and pretend that it's a sword. So like it's, it's constantly trying to like rein them back in from making sure that they're not getting hurt. But for the most part, they just become so used to seeing the tools that it's just like a pot or a pan or a kitchen utensil to them. But I'm not going to lie. There are plenty of moments where I'm like super overwhelmed by them being in my space and I need them to go do something else and so when my husband's not in season he helps a lot with entertaining them we do have a babysitter who comes a couple times a week who helps kind of balance things out but in the beginning it was just like okay like I have a two-hour window where they're taking a nap or so-and-so's at school, like, let's bust. There's so much you can get done in a two-hour nap, which is absolutely astonishing how much you could actually get done if you, like, buckle down and start working on things. That's kind of how it all started, but but now, of course, I DIY literally all day, almost every day, so things are different. Yeah, I want to know, with the platform that you have, when you started seeing it pick up and you're like, wow, all these people are very interested 
and what I'm doing daily. Were you overwhelmed by that? Just because, I mean, I do think that what you were doing is influencing other people and just seeing that platform grow so quickly. Were you kind of taken back by that? So growth, it's like a catch 22. I'm not going to lie. So you have moments where you're like, I cannot believe that there's this many people invested in the project that I'm doing. And it's a very humbling and also very scary feeling because there's so many eyeballs on you where you feel like you need to be maybe a little bit more professional instead of just like showing up in your pajamas with the messy bun, like working on things. So that's like one aspect, but then there's the other I don't want to say competitive aspect because as DIYers, we are all very supportive in each other's projects and journeys and growth and success. Somebody else's success doesn't affect my success in a negative way. But at the same time, there's this comparison game that social media is, right? Where you see other people doing well, other people growing maybe faster than you. And so you're like, wow, I'm at 10,000 people are watching me or 50 or 100. And then you're like, but so-and-so's at double what I am. And so you have to reground yourself constantly where you can't look at other people's success and have that demean or devalue your own success. But then at the same counter time is when all of a sudden you hit like a milestone, whether it's 50 or hundred or however many followers, it's not just like a comparison of other people, but you're almost trying to compete with yourself where it's like, I did that project. Now I have to outdo myself again with a greater and a bigger project. And then you have to take a step back and you're like, not necessarily. Like some of the projects that I think are the most successful are the more beginner friendly ones that are more relatable, right? Like it's really cool to see somebody build an entire outdoor house, right? Like a big pergola outdoor seating area. But for the average, you know, beginner DIYer, like they're not going to go build a whole house in their backyard, but like seeing you tackle, you know, a furniture flip or seeing you paint some really cool accent while like that's something that they feel that they can do themselves, maybe gets more engagement or people think that it's cooler. So it's a constant struggle. I'm not going to lie. Just balancing like the, your own mental game with all of the growth and trying to keep yourself grounded and trying to keep yourself on track for what your goals are for the platform. In addition to why you started it in the first place, I have to constantly remind myself of like why I started this, what I want this to be, what I want to share and make sure that I'm always sticking in that same path if that makes sense she's speaking to her heart I know I was like we always think about this and we always talk about it but it's interesting to hear the flip side of you know we're just starting growing this podcast and it's it's awesome but we are also like okay when we get here when we get here but it's interesting to hear the flip side of it like when you do get there there's a lot of other battles that you're gonna have come across but my whole thing is like you watch a tv show on like diy for most people right hgtv that comes to mind and they do it so quickly and they flip these houses or they do these projects so quickly do you feel that like you have to do a project at a certain speed or maybe you do with like some of your brands that you work with but do you ever feel that like pressure uh that's a really good question at least in the projects that i do on instagram there is this very unspoken deadline where when you start posting about a project, you want it to be as realistic and as authentic as possible as far as how long it takes, how much effort it takes. But at the same time, part of what I'm doing is I'm trying to 
not just educate, but I'm also entertaining, right? Because there's a good portion of the people who are watching the project who are interested because maybe they want to do a similar project, but the greater portion of people are watching it because it's entertaining, because they think it's cool, they want to see the whole process. And so while most of them are understanding and they're like, well, like we understand that like life comes up, like don't feel like you need to rush on our account in order for me to, I guess, see the best engagement with the project. It's like, I have to start and I have to finish within a certain time frame. And some of the projects get delayed and it is inevitable, but for the most part, when, when you sign on, to watch what I'm doing is you want to see the end result, regardless of how pretty it is or staged or anything like that. So I try and at least start some of my projects with the intention of I'm going to be able to finish this within the next couple of days so that you are not left hanging and the project gets the best engagement as possible, if that makes sense. I know that's a lot of like back knowledge of all things Instagram content creators, but there is in order to like see that engagement, which the engagement helps us work with brands. There kind of is this like unspoken timeline of like, you need to get that done. Yeah, that's crazy. I guess with that too, like what if you have a fail of a project? I mean, I don't I'm sure you don't now, but like in the beginning stages, what if you have a fail of a project and you're kind of going with it? How do you fix that or do you show that? I try and show as much of the realness of project fails as I possibly can. I think every project has a hiccup, regardless of how much skill or knowledge or anything that you have going into it. And I try and share all of those different parts because that's what DIY is. It's, I'm not a professional carpenter, a professional contractor who gets everything right. And and even they don't get everything right. They screw up all of the time, but they're at a higher, I guess, level than a home DIYer is. And so I don't know, I, I try and share as much as I can. And, and when I have those flops, I try and share those too. And it's all part of the process. The, the trickiest thing becomes when you're working with brands and you're flopping on something that you're supposed to be the expert on. And so then that's when you're like trying to get approval, like, hey, can I share that? Like, I totally screwed this up, but like, it's my bad. It's not your product's bad. And so that's where it becomes super tricky. But those don't happen all that frequently. Okay, give us like a first beginner project. I know you said furniture, but I kind of want like a, basically like a wall treatment or something. I'm looking at Brittany's board and batten that she's got going on here, but I just want to know like what comes to mind. Like if I was in a brand new home, just moved in, what should I do first? Like just kind of lay it all out there. (laughs) So I think wall treatments and even painted wall treatments can change a space dramatically. Board and batten, traditional board and batten, where it only goes two thirds up the wall, is a very beginner friendly project because you're not having to deal with the entire wall space and have to accommodate, you know, cutting down boards. Shiplap's also fairly simple, but you do have to have a couple more tools because you're working with the height of your room, which is going to change, you know, the width of some of your boards. But I totally think a regular board and batten wall treatment is easy. I know that tons of just painted accent walls or painting an entire room the same color is super in. Color blocking or doing contrast trim where you paint your baseboards and your door trim darker than your wall color. All of that stuff can leave huge impact in a space, but it's very budget friendly and very beginner friendly. 
Yeah, I was just curious just because I feel like there is so much that you can do with a space and I always just get stumped where I'm like, I don't even know <laughs> where to start when it comes to like the projects and things that you're doing. Do you feel inspired by a certain type of like modern or traditional or what type of design? This is probably one of the trickiest things because I've asked many designers and many friends who love design what they would categorize my style as and no one can actually agree on an answer. So I would say mine is like a, a modern traditional, if that makes sense. Traditional in the sense that it's like timeless and continuing, but it's, it doesn't ever feel dated. I try and incorporate a lot of trendy aspects or trendy components that I think are going to last longer than just being trendy. Design is tricky. I think the best way to find what your design is or how to design for your home is one to decide what about your home do you like. I think exteriors kind of matter. Your hard finishes matter in terms of design. You don't want to, you know, take a house that was like super traditional and the whole inside you make it like super sleek and and you know clean clean and modern because the two don't really match. So that's one thing to take into consideration. The other thing is, is get a Pinterest, go on Pinterest and just start saving all of the things. There's even a feature on Instagram where you can save posts. So start going through the Explorer page or looking up some different DIYers or home designers that you love their stuff and save everything that you like. And then when you enter a room that you want to change, go back through and say, well, what are the common aspects that I'm saving? Am I saving rooms that are all just white and light and airy and minimalist feeling? Or am I saving things that are more eclectic and have, you know, a whole bunch of like different elements, whether it's boho or mid-century modern or whatever. And then you're kind of able to pull like, okay, everything that I pin is white. I'm painting the walls white. Everything that I pin is like super bright and colorful or dark and moody. And then just go for those things. And, and that kind of helps you create a more cohesive space and have your spaces speak to one another. You don't have to like copy what every other designer, every other, you know, trendy person is doing on Instagram. But if it's something that you like where you're like, I love navy blue, I want navy blue throughout my house. You don't have to like paint every wall navy blue, but you can have maybe a couch that's navy blue in one room, maybe cabinets in a different room that's navy blue, maybe throw pillows. Like you can incorporate that color throughout your home where it feels cohesive, but it's not like you just walked off a ship in this like naval navy blue in your whole entire <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that tip though, because I think oftentimes like we get overwhelmed by what everyone else is doing. Just like the comparison thing, you look at Instagram and you're just overwhelmed with all of this amazing content, but you can't figure out how it will translate into your own house. So that's a really good tip. With that, I want to ask about your DIY course and kind of how you got like how you started that I'm super excited I am purchasing that so I want to hear about your course and kind of give everyone a rundown of how you started it and kind of what it is sure so it was last spring where I was kind of trying to decide what I wanted my honey built home to really be about and I was sharing my projects but I wanted to help more people and so I had the idea of doing like a live course or like a one-on-one -on -one where I did consulting, you know, you would show me your house. I would say, well, this is what I would do. This is how I would do it. And then I was like, why don't I just ask? I'll just like ask in stories what you guys want thinking 
that the top answers were going to be like small group, like, you know, one to 15 people online consultations or like a large, maybe 40 person live in-person DIY girls night or whatever, where I just like taught you the basics of power tools. And then I like just threw in like, and then like an online course and like put that as one of the options. And it was overwhelming how many people said that they wanted an online course where they could go at their own pace, you know, check in, watch the videos when they had time and start building things on their own. And I was shocked. I was talking about it with my husband. I was like, this is like 85% of the people, like thousands of people are asking for this course. Like, how do I create this? And so I kind of went through everything that I've done over the last 10 years as far as projects, how I got started, how I learned how to do things. I was like, hey, we're going to make, and I say we, I mean, I'm going to make a DIY beginner basics course. That's the hardest thing about starting DIY is getting all of the tools, right? It's a huge investment financially and an intimidating one because there's so many options and you don't know what tool you actually need to accomplish projects. So what are the tools that I think every DIYer needs in their toolbox? And we're going to use those tools to create an entire course. I'm only going to teach those because I don't want you to have to buy thousands and thousands of dollars in tools to create projects. You don't need that. And so I broke it down to the top six. And then I broke down those top six, how to use the tool safely, how to fix it if it's malfunctioning, how to get the accuracy in terms of cutting wood. So the, the six tools are a miter saw. A drill driver, I consider one tool because they're essentially the same thing. You can buy them together. A jigsaw, a brad nailer, a circular saw, and a Craig pocket hole jig. So like if you watch DIYers on Instagram or even like on HGTV, for the most part, they're using those six tools. And so I teach how to use the tools and then I start applying it to projects at the very end where I walk you through step-by-step how to build floating shelves. And then every quarter on the actual course, I update it with new content. So the course comes with 40 videos that are all pre-recorded that you can log in anytime, watch the videos, learn all the tips and tricks. And then we have a private Facebook group that's just for DIY beginner basics students for them to share their projects, ask questions, get feedback, just kind of brainstorm with other like-minded beginner students. And then... Every quarter, I'll just ask in the Facebook group, okay, what do you guys need help with? And they'll give me a list of all these different projects and things that they need help with. And then it's kind of like a majority rules situation. So for quarter one of 2021, everyone wanted to know how to install baseboards. Done. I will do a step-by-step tutorial on how to install baseboards, how to cut all the correct angles, how to caulk them, how to nail fill them, nail, nail fill them how to fill the nail holes, and then paint them, all the things, right? So it's such a, I think, great resource for people who maybe don't know where to start or how to start to dive into the DIY world. Are you sick and tired of waiting for your significant other to have a free day to work on your project list? If you're on a budget and you don't know anything about power tools or home DIY, this fully online course is geared to help you learn DIY for beginners. Honeybelt Home has created the course, DIY Beginner Basics, 
to help you get comfortable with power tools and finishing supplies so that you can start tackling your own honey-do list and save thousands. Make sure to visit honeybuilthome.com shop and use the code SEASON to receive $15 off the DIY beginner course. Make sure to use the code SEASON to receive $15 off. Stop waiting and start creating. I'm inspired. Girl, you're going to see me doing things with a saw. I'm going to be out there doing all these things. I just think it's wonderful because, I mean, this is something that our listeners should just dive in and take advantage of because this is something that we can all do. Like, we should all do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate having you on. We have one last question, if you don't mind answering it. We ask every single person we have on the podcast, but it is... If you were to go back in time and tell yourself at the beginning of this basketball journey, one thing that you've learned now, what would you tell yourself? To have something that that you can do that brings you as much fulfillment as coaching brings them fulfillment. One of the hardest things is to see them every day, go out there, grind, work so hard because they love it. And the amount of hours that you spend alone that you're like, well, what, like, what do I do? What do I love? And so to find something that you love that brings you joy, brings you fulfillment that you can share with them. And then also just to know that like the emotional roller coaster of that is coaching is so high and it is so low and to work with your spouse, to be able to have a space, whether it's like a room that like all of those emotions escape out of, or it's a place that you guys eat where you can work on your relationship that is not affected, or you can have a conversation that is not affected by the emotional highs and lows because they get high and they get real, real low. And it's stressful as that significant other, because you feel like you have to be their emotional support, which you are. But when those lows are low, it's like you need something to help you too. And so if you can find something that brings you fulfillment and then have a space where it's like a safe space where all of those stresses and all the things can just kind of go away and you guys can just be you is I think probably the most helpful. Girl, you killed the answer. We loved that one. That's awesome. We haven't heard that before. So that's always exciting. And thank you so much for being on here. And for everyone that's listening, we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this interview on More Than a Season podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season underscore Women's Guide for the latest updates. You can also follow our personal Instagram accounts at Ashley M. Kramer and Britt Labby. We would love it if you would download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. Thank you so much. See you next time.